You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome into the Gary Harris Show. This is Justin Jones filling in for Gary Harris. We're going to have a great, 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 great show today. Uh, Gary's just out, had a doctor's appointment, and I'm more than happy to fill in for him. I got Noah behind the glass with me. We're gonna, we're gonna take these two hours. Uh, we're gonna roll. We're gonna, we're gonna get going. Get this morning started off, off quick. I had like a shot of coffee in me, but well, hyped and ready to go. Hyped and ready to go. That's right. Some, some espresso, if you will. Um, Give me just a second here. Pull pull up some of the things here. I, I do want to mention before we get into anything, that hour one of the Gary Harris Show is brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. Um, line up for today. It's awesome. We're going to continue things as usual. We got uh, the coach, Ellis Johnson, at 930. We're going to talk about all things SEC, um, college football, maybe a little bit of, of Michigan. There needs to be a name for it. It's I know the like documentary name is going to be Michigan Manifesto. Like, ooh, 30 for 30 ESPN uh, fancy stuff. We, we also have... Um, <clears throat> Wait, uh, is that confirmed? Are they actually making a documentary? Well, no, so it it what <laughs> I don't think they probably will in the future. Not yet, though. But I like Michigan, the Michigan incident. Incident. I like that one. Mi- Michigan manifesto good. was like listed under, uh, I guess, one of these documents that got leaked about it, kind of calling it that um, about this sign stealing situation. Anyways, uh, at ten, we're going to go to uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter with the Falcons report. Um, they're going to have a new quarterback. I'm very interested to see what Orlando has to say about that. We're also going to look ahead to the rest of their season. They're playing the Vikings this upcoming Sunday. The Vikings have a lot going on at the quarterback position as well. We'll talk to him about that. And they're leading that NFC South division, which, I mean, as as poorly as that division is performing right now, the Falcons are leading and could are potentially going to be in the playoffs, which is still uh, very much an accomplishment. And then at 1030, we got our, our, our good friend Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. We're going to recap some Alabama, LSU, go over everything you need to know about the game coming up this Saturday. Maybe talk some Michigan with him as well, um, but also some UAB and maybe some Dabo Swinney stuff too. <clears throat> very exciting stuff. Very, exci- very exciting stuff. Um First to today, though, in this first segment, I do, I do want to remind that we're, we are going to take calls. So if you want to call in, ask questions, um, voice your opinion, get some thoughts on it, uh, 205-342-9904. Um, you're more than welcome to call in. We'll definitely be taking your call all throughout calls all throughout the show. Um, I do want to jump in, though, to some some news. Is, is the phone ringing now, Noah? No, I'm just, I'm just creating a soundscape for you. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to jump into some headlines, some news. Uh, The big story yesterday, the Texas Rangers have won the World Series. They're uh, the very first in their entire career. It was a a great game. The Diamondbacks 
no one expected to be in the World Series. The Rangers, no one expected to be in the World Series. And after an explosive game one, the Rangers kind of just entered cruise mode. They, Diamondbacks fought back, but man, I I forget. It was the, the eighth inning where they just exploded for five runs. The bats got hot and the Diamondbacks could not do anything to, uh, to keep them away. And they couldn't do anything to get runs on the board either. Almost that whole game. Two impressive pitching performances, though, from both teams. Did you have something, Noah? Oh, just when, uh, for all the people out there who have the internet, whenever you Google Texas Rangers, it pulls up the score and it has little fireworks. Confetti and fireworks. It's a big deal. I think uh, Tex- baseball in Texas is, although maybe the least watched World Series, it's got to be top five or ten. Um, but it's still it's still very um, it's Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. A lot of the fans out there are going to be watching the Rangers, and I think it was good baseball. I really enjoyed watching it last night, even though it did kind of go away, um, mainly because I don't have the talent to. I think when I last played baseball, I led the team in uh, getting hit by pitches. Um, that was my specialty: is just taking a ball. You know, right into the arm, right into the 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 leg, or something like that. That was always, always <laughs> that was my specialty there. But Texas Rangers capture their first uh, World Series win, and then I know they talked about it a lot on the previous show and, and all all the sports shows um, around the country today. But a legendary basketball coach from Indiana, Bob Knight, passed away. And since his news broke late last night, I had been researching and and watching videos and seeing interviews. Um, man. What a, what a great coach. What an old school coach. There's very few. Um, coach Saban likes to say they don't make them like they used to. They definitely don't. Um, he's going to be missed by a lot. I know uh, him and Wimp were close, and I'd be interested to uh, – I need to go back and listen to what uh, Coach had to say about that. We had a, we had a nice message on the app uh, from a listener. A listener probably said, my condolences. I really enjoyed hearing the stories about Coach Knight this morning. I remember when he called into the show asking for deriving directions from the airport. That was a hoot. Rest in peace. That's a that's a cool story. Well, I wonder if we can find that uh, that audio because that that'd be that'd be very interesting um, to do. But I, I mean, all sorts of stories from uh, Bob Knight, former players, um, really just. It's, it's very interesting, a lot of these stories in the landscape that college sports in general has become with NIL, because I think Bob Knight stood on the fact that you work through your problems. You, um, I was listening to radio station coming in this morning, and uh, man, I think it was uh, Martin Smith, I think. Uh, I'll have to look that up. But a former player for Bob Knight uh, telling a story of how Coach Knight went to this player's parents and told him, your son isn't going to play for the first couple games, even though he's the talent that, and he, he will play eventually. He's not going to play for the first couple games. And when he comes to you, don't, don't say you're going to talk to me or anything. And the point was you're going to face challenges in your life that you're not going to receive any help with. And you need to learn how to overcome those and use your own strength and own ability and own mental prowess um, to help you one, become a better person, but also face anything that comes in your way. I think many, many life stories that you could learn from Bob Knight. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to keep learning more and more as uh, as time goes on as I, and I keep researching. Uh, we also know on Tuesday, two days ago, that the college football playoff rankings were first released. Alabama is eighth. Uh, Ohio State one. Is it mm, Georgia two? 
I should know this because I've been looking at them nonstop. I think it's very, the thing that stands out to me with these rankings is Oregon is at number six, I believe, um, despite really, one, they had the loss to Washington, don't really have as many ranked wins, but the strength of the Pac-12 is kind of what have put them there. Give us that top four, Noah. Yeah, top four uh, is Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State. There we go. Florida State. That's what it's, it's just to point out that this game this weekend with LSU is going to mean a whole lot. I believe LSU is ranked 11 or something like or 15, maybe um, they have two losses, but they're 14, 14. Yeah. And uh, they have the best offense in college football. That's the challenge in front of Alabama. Um, really news that's been breaking for the last two weeks. Michigan is stealing signs. Um, we had Jim McElwain come out yesterday and say, hey, uh, this Connor Stanley has got this sign-stealing guy as he used was on our sideline. We don't know how he got there, but they're looking into it, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, we're, we, we're yet to see anything come from the NCAA or the Big Ten or the playoff committee as they've kind of disregarded it and not even taking it into account. But we'll see. We'll see if they get held out of the playoffs it's probably not going to happen. We'll probably have to wait a year or so. Um, but nonetheless, what a weird situation up in, is it East Lansing, I believe? Maybe that's Michigan State. Up in Michigan. I think uh, we're going to go ahead and take our first break here just a little bit early. Just a reminder, you, you can call in 205-342-9904 on the First Man Condos hotline um, and just run through this, uh, this lineup again. We got 930 coming up soon. We got Ellis Johnson, the coach. At 10, we're going to go to the Falcons report with the Dio Orlando Ledbetter. And at 1030, our good friend Jeff Spiegel at ABC 3340. We'll talk all things Alabama football. We'll talk maybe even a little bit about the Texas Rangers, um, some more in-depth. We'll talk Falcons, and then we'll definitely talk about all things SEC and all things Alabama LSU. You're listening to the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9, West Alabama's only sports talk, sports talk station can now be heard on 1230 AM WTBC. This season of Alabama football brought to you by Pearl River Resort, Choctaw, Mississippi. Your destination for casino thrills, family fun, and live entertainment. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by CBNS Bank. Bank anywhere, at any time, with CBNS Bank's digital solutions. Managing your finances has never been so easy. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Thursday's edition of Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR at 2 p.m., we'll be joined by Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow. Crimson Tide, get ready for a good football team in the LSU Tigers. What have you learned about them and their defense so far? Great team um, uh, as far as just offense and defense. Um, so our preparation this week is going to be important to allow us to be successful this week. Um, and we just acknowledge, you know, that we're playing a great team um, coming up. And, uh, you know, we're going we're, we're, we're to need the fans to bring a lot of juice to the stadium, bring all the energy, um, and have the stadium rocking. I certainly did against Tennessee. Just what was that like getting to celebrate with your teammates, with the fan support? We saw your post-game interview on CBS. So you're having a lot of fun yeah. with Coach Saban as well. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. You know, our, our fans brought a lot of juice. I'll have more in a moment. 
CBNS Bank has a long history of stability and a legacy of serving our community's needs for generations. You can say we know a thing or two about tradition. We've been family, community, and financially strong since we began in 1906. Being a team player is part of our culture. That's why at CBNS Bank, we're proud to sponsor the University of Alabama Athletics and prouder to take the field or court with you. Visit cbsbank.com today. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Join us tonight for Hey Coach and the Nick Saban Show, live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa, starting at 6.30 p.m. across our radio network, the Varsity Network app, and the video stream available as well on all Alabama Athletics social media platforms. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by CBNS Bank. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sunny weather continues today with a fairly decent warm-up. The high for this afternoon around 61. Clear tonight, not as cold as last night, below 34. Tomorrow and Saturday, sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 67. The high Saturday, 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 39 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Um... Got got some One Direction bringing us back in. You know, me and Noah were talking, and and we're we're both young uh, compared to others, I guess. But comparatively, comparatively, yeah. That you know, we were saying that makes us feel old, as some of these One Direction songs are over ten years old. Um, is that what it feels like? Is that uh, these listeners? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we've 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 grown up with with this music, so it's a uh, it's a throwback. It's classic now. Yeah, it's like this is like our Beethoven. It's One Direction. Awesome. <laughs> um, I wanted to dive in on my thoughts on the LSU Alabama game before we, uh, I think, for the rest of the show, get some different opinions, but more so just uh, what I think. Um, what I think has to happen for Alabama to have a good game and for us to win and what to look out for um, from LSU for the other team. Um, 
So let's start there with LSU. First of all, we know Jaden Daniels is uh, he's a Heisman finalist. I don't I don't think that's any question. I think he'll continue to to be on that road. I th- I think he may even have a good game in Tuscaloosa, regardless of a win or a loss. I, I think if it's a loss, it's going to be on their defense um, not performing, uh, rather than their offense having issues. Of course, I'd be I'd be fine with uh, Jaden Daniels having a, a bad game because that just makes it easier for the the Crimson Tide to to pick up a win against a pretty tough team. <clears throat> but the combination of of Jaden Daniels and his uh, his number one receiver Malik Neighbors, who we learned from last year, is incredibly good. He's probably I'd say the number two receiver in the NCAA this year was behind um, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, who is also just playing um, out of his mind. Uh, but M- Malik Neighbors is that deep threat, as well as their running back, Logan Diggs, who they don't utilize as much. I mean, Jaden Daniels has, uh, what, 223 attempts. It's almost uh, twice as many as Jalen Milrose taken, although Alabama's offense has been very run heavy. That's what's going to uh, to be the difference, though, is Jaden Daniels. More so on his feet than in the air, I think. It's going to be on the Alabama defense to contain, to stay in their lanes, and not allow the big play. I think that's why we lost to Tennessee. I think that's what kept LSU in the game last year um, was the big play, was the big pass, especially the Tennessee game. It, it I get, like, war flashbacks of Jalen Hyatt just – burning our safeties and being over the top asking how did that happen how did that happen if you can restrict that and keep everything in front of you on the defense i think you're going to be much more able to control this game on the defensive side for lsu we know that their pass rush is very good they have some guys up there that are nfl caliber we're talking harold perkins um, I did hear something that Makai Wingo, who is one of their D tackles, is is going to be out. Um, I'm not sure if that's confirmed yet or not. I'll have to check. But he's also had a great season, is definitely a threat if he is playing. I'm seeing that he's active, so I, I assume he might be. Um, but Harold Perkins and uh, <clears throat> as well as Major Burns and Greg Penn fly around. As much as those guys are, are good, as big as they are, as much of a threat to our quarterback as they can be, the defensive backs for LSU are, they've not had a great season so far. And I, I think that you look at this defense, they've been exposed, especially in the Ole Miss game where Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin had 700 yards, I believe it was 706 exactly, on them. That's incredible. I mean, we know they went to overtime, uh, I think two overtimes. But 700 yards, that's like, a, I don't know if you've seen the clips, Noah, of the NFL mascots playing against kids, but that's kind of what it is to uh, to get 700 yards, just uh, domination, pushing over little kids, j- jumping over them. Um, it's a great video you should, if you want to look it up there, Noah. But that's, that's kind of how you get 700 yards in a game. So it's kind of crazy that we're talking about Harold Perkins and Makai Wingo and all of these pass rushers that are supposed to be very dangerous, yet we know that Lane Kiffin ran the ball and threw the ball for um, 300 yards shy of 1,000, which kind of crazy to say when you put it in that sense. Therefore, a lot of this weight is going to go to Jalen Milrow. In the same way that Jaden Daniels needs to be contained with his legs so that Alabama has a chance to win. Jalen Milrow has to do the opposite, and he has to use his legs in the appropriate times, of course, to get Alabama that edge. 
when we run a play action and there's an open pocket, there's nobody in front of him. We need to see Jalen Milrow take the ball, get first downs. We can't play behind the sticks like we have been the whole, I think this whole season it's felt like playing behind the sticks. We need to be efficient, we need to move, and we need to be quick. I think we also need to make sure that the running game is important and utilized with um, Roy Dell Williams and Jace McClellan, as well as, um, man, we have too many running backs for me to remember. But all of the running backs, the main two, Jason McClellan and Roy Dell, we need to see them be explosive because that's going to affect the play action. That's how we're going to get receivers open, targeting that weak D, um, weak corners, weak defensive backs for LSU. And we don't need to rely on the big play, which is what we've seemingly done all season. I, t- Tennessee, the Tennessee game, we relied on the defense on a big play, but also the Isaiah Vaughn touchdown, which kind of got us back in to start in that uh, in that second half, I believe was a big play. It was wide open. It was burn the safeties. Like as much as we've been talking about in the off season at the start of the season, about reverting to an old Nick Saban style team, we're still very much playing in the current style We're we're wanting our receivers to have deep bombs We're we're utilizing yards after catch. It's it's not very it's not very different other than we're not throwing the ball as much and we're and we're running as well but we're not doing a great job of running that. When you look at a a spread here or an over under, the difference is all the things I've said combined. If LSU can get us into a shootout into a high scoring game, Alabama's going to lose. Uh, that's that's the claim I'll make. If if the score for LSU gets into those high thirties, I don't think Alabama has a good chance. We've not seen this offense be able to produce and score when they need to. It's almost felt like a luck thing when when they do score. So if, if Alabama's down, say, two touchdowns, LSU's at 35, 35 points, is the Alabama offense going to be able to, one, have the O-line stand up and block those pass rushers that are very good, that gave us... Um, nightmares from last year and are they going to be able to go in and score when they need to to tie the game to win the game to take the lead i don't think so i and i think coach commented on 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 this where a big factor especially as it was two weeks ago versus tennessee is going to be the fans the noise and the support that is going to utilize like make this team keep rolling, keep keep going, motivate them to play well. I want to hear from Nick Saban really quick, and, and then we'll take a, a Phillips call that I'm seeing um, on the – here's Nick Saban on recruiting benefit of home games. Um, you know, I think it's great for our fans uh, that we have, you know, quality opponents that come here and they have an opportunity to um, – you know, cheer our team on. I, I think the atmosphere and environment that's been created in all of our games this year has been phenomenal. I think it's going to be really, really important in this game. Uh, I thought it was absolutely as good as it ever gets in the Tennessee game, which I think had an impact on the game and affected them. And uh, I think it's going to be important that um, we have that same kind of atmosphere in this game. But I think it's exciting for our fans. I know our players, you know, love playing in Bryant-Denny Stadium and uh, big games are, you know, always something that 
you look forward to playing, especially in front of an enthusiastic home crowd. I think that was the motivation call just like two weeks ago. Nick Saban on his show was saying, hey, fans, we need you. We need you to be a difference in this game. And, and you are a difference in this game. I think it's that same call and motivation. I think we'll see that again at the stadium. Let's jump out to the first main condos hotline and, and talk to Philip. Hey, Philip, how are you doing this morning? Um, I missed I missed some of your show there. But, uh, you know, as far as Alabama goes, they they can't afford to get too cute this weekend. I agree. Yeah, I think that's a, a simple way to put it. I agree. But but I will say, I think Alabama has a football player on the offensive side of the ball that can do some damage if they would just have trust in him and have faith in him and be willing to turn him loose more than three times a game, and that's Kendrick Law. Kendrick, from what I've heard, yeah, Kendrick Law, he's he's been a difference. Uh, we saw him play a little bit on um, – in the return game, we've seen him on some of these uh, Jets wide receiver sweeps. From what I've heard recently in these practices is that he is kind of been utilized a lot more. I, I heard the comparison to uh, Adebo Samuel for the 49ers, who's a speedy, uh, smaller wide receiver that is, I mean, they put him at, at running back. They put him on a wildcat. They put him on, on, on sweeps, but he's also a deep threat and a receiver. So I think... You're, I think you're right. You could utilizing Kendrick Law could be a difference in this game. I think it. We've ne- I, as much as J- Jermaine Burton has had that standout game at A and M, and Isaiah Bond had a great game against Tennessee. We've still yet to really see a receiver. I'd argue that we still don't really know who this number one receiver is going to be, or somebody that can abs- like go in and absolutely dominate. I don't know if Kendrick Law is going to be that, but it helps when you have three guys that you know can can make a play for you and, and get the ball. Well, that's the funny thing about it. I don't really think of him that much as a receiver that much. I think of him as a guy that can, that can, you know, run sweet plays and things like that. And I think of him more as a sort of a, uh, you know, solid, solidly built um, running back type that that can go eighty yards on you. Um, that's the way I think about him. I think he's got more more utility, more utility Swiss Army knife value than than what we're giving. I think you're right. I, I I guess my my hesitation is I wonder why, and that's with some, a bunch of players I feel like on this team this year where we we have questions for the coordinators, um, for Tommy Reese where, why haven't these players been utilized more? I think we we talk about Justice Haynes who we've seen very little of. Although we we know that that's Alabama's thing. He's a freshman. He's he's going to take his time and get his chance. But as much of a talent as we know he is. Um, and Kendrick Law, who's a sophomore, who we've not seen very much of at all, but we know he's a playmaker as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Tommy Reese can actually incorporate him. And I think if he does, like you said, Philip, that could be a difference in this game as far as offensive production, as well as opening up the offense. Because if you have to worry about Jalen Milrow and his legs and the deep ball, as well as Kendrick Law on the field where he is at at all times, that's, uh, that's a nasty combo. Yes, it is. Well, I appreciate you taking my call, Justin, and I look forward to listening to the rest of the call. Yes, sir. Thank you for calling in, Philip. We're going to hit our break really quick right here and then come back with uh, Coach Ellis Johnson. We're going to talk some more SEC, some more Alabama LSU, and all the games from this previous week, although Alabama had a bye week. You're listening to Tide 100.9, West Alabama's only sports talk station, also on 1230 AM WTBC. Built to win. Touchdown, Alabama! 
Built for championships. Throws intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide take on LSU at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Our coverage begins at 3.30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. It's back. Alabama fans are all over the world, and we are too. Download the Tide 100.9 app right now in the App Store and Google Play and take the Crimson Tide everywhere you go. show this is justin jones filling in for gary today um things have been going great gary just has a doctor's appointment he had to go to so i'm more than happy to fill in for him and and now we're going to jump out to the first and main condos hotline first and main is community of brand new gated condominiums located in historic downtown northport on the first and main condos hotline we got coach ellis johnson hey coach how you doing this morning good morning justin doing fine yes sir there's so much i want to dive in here uh football wise with you i think first though i want to look back to last week um some of the games that came on for the sec um and some of the news that has been circulating around college football firstly i want to look at uh georgia versus florida and the uh it's called the the biggest cocktail party in the south i think i i grew up not really knowing that name very much i just knew georgia florida was a big rivalry georgia hasn't really skipped a beat no no brock bowers but that didn't seem to matter as they continued to just dominate in that football game that's going to be an issue i think for uh for the southeast and for alabama if it comes to the sec championship which we got to get there first is georgia unstoppable at this point well I, you know i don't know about unstoppable i don't think anybody's ever unstoppable but you have to look at the tremendous improvement gradual improvement they've had on offense and uh, I think especially the quarterback, he had some slow starts early in the year, uh, was a little bit average at times. They had a couple of close ball games. I mean, Auburn played them very well. South Carolina played them up through the first half. But they have just continued to get better. I really thought the game would be a little tighter than it was with the score. Statistically, it wasn't all that, all that crazy out of balance. But uh, they just had so many explosive plays. And they're just a more complete team in Florida right now. So, uh, it's going to be tough. Their, their opponents they still have left are Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee. I mean, any one of those teams on a given day can beat them. And I think their game against Missouri is going to be a good test for them. They better be glad they got them at home. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I th- th- This weekend, that Missouri game is going to be must-watch, I think. Um, I want to jump into that game a little bit later. I think – Georgia, I, I guess unstoppable, you're right. That's probably the wrong word to use because I think there are weaknesses. I think we saw it in the Florida game still as they kept it close for much of the first half uh, against Florida. And Florida's offense was uh, outputting a little bit. They they rely on that quarterback to run as well as the, the very good running back that they had. Is that kind of uh, where teams should be looking to to attack is, is if they can get up and, and kind of slap them in the face early that it might be hard for Georgia to to come back into a game like that. We've not really even seen them in that position in the last two years. Yeah, certainly on the road. You know, if you go into Sanford 
stadium, if you could get an early lead, it would help in multiple ways. Number yeah. one, maybe get the crowd out of it a little bit. But uh, to get a lead, put a little pressure on them, you see how well they play coming from behind. South Carolina was actually ahead of them at one point. Yeah. And, uh, and they swapped it over twice during the first half. But uh, they t- they're just too deep, too strong, and too consistent on defense. And now they've become extremely consistent on offense. And I think the improvement, steady improvement of Carson Beck has probably been the biggest thing in their football team over the last several weeks that's, that's kind of pushed them up to where they're not just winning ball games, but they're controlling ball games. As much as people have uh, criticized their schedule, I think it was almost a, a perfect storm um, for Carson Beck. Uh, do you think this, the the easier, I don't. I hate to say easier, but the teams that are not as much of a challenge in the earlier part of their schedule really helped Carson Beck ease into this starting role as he got into games uh, against an SEC play and, and tougher teams to where he really needed to be consistent and, and cool-minded. Do you think those those earlier games helped do that? Yeah, I, I think you make a great point. Uh, if he'd been a two-year starter or someone you know, uh, like a, the kid he had last year, had a lot of experience under his belt, had actually been in a national championship game and won one. But he's a, he's a guy that hard, hardly had played any snaps. And the competition for that job, I think, went on through the spring and maybe mm-hmm. to the early fall. So I believe you make a really good point that their schedule helped him in that respect to let him continue to maybe control him a little bit, not have to rely on him to make tremendous plays against great defenses. But now they've got a tough stretch. I mean, Missouri has turned out to be an extremely good football team. They're playing good, solid defense. I think their quarterback is as well coached. And uh, it's just as productive as anybody in the league. Next to Daniels, uh, and then you got, you know, they got still got Ole Miss coming in. Uh, they've been able to put points on everybody. And if they put points on Georgia, we'll see. And then they have to go up to Tennessee, and so they, 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 the schedule was a little bit backloaded for them, and yeah. they have steadily improved. So it may have been a big factor to help back, you know, get his feet wet and continue to get improved. I've definitely seen uh, a, a lot of Georgia fans um, that, you know, as much flack as they got as far as their schedule. Well, is it is it that hard now? Now we got ranked team, ranked team, ranked team. <laughs> One of those games coming up, as you mentioned, was uh, Tennessee. And, and, and in, in the East this past week, we saw Tennessee versus Kentucky. They kind of had a bounce back game after playing Alabama, and they looked pretty good. I mean, they looked good against Alabama if you're looking at just the first half. Um, Kentucky, I thought... They've they started very hot. They started very good. They had their quarterback was very playing very well, and then they kind of just slid a little bit. They're still a very good team with Coach Stoops over there. Do you think uh, Tennessee with this win is still is still battling for that that East spot and, and looking forward to the Georgia game? Well, I think they they can certainly affect who's going to win it, but I don't think I don't think Tennessee is really in the run, I, and I do not don't think they can beat Georgia. But having them at home will certainly make it a little bit tough. Georgia. The, the surprise for Tennessee this year, or maybe the, the aspect that's most noticeable, is very own. You could tell their defense is much better than it was last year. But the problem is their quarterback has not been what uh, the kid was last year. And, and so they haven't been as prolific throwing the football. They actually got themselves in trouble a little bit throwing it. And, and the defense bailed them a little bit early in the year. But with two losses on the schedule in the conference, I can't see them catch it back up. And, uh, you know, they, they've got to take care of the football, and then their defense may have to 
have to play a little bit better than they've been playing, and they've been playing pretty doggone good. I mean, right now, they're number four in the conference, mm-hmm. scoring defense, and that means Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, the only people better than they are right now in giving up points. So they'll certainly have a shot, uh, but they'll have to play a lot better on offense if they have a chance to beat Georgia. Definitely, and well, and we all know the the voodoo. It's almost like uh, down in Auburn, the the voodoo, as Alabama fans would say, but up there in in Neyland Stadium, especially with those fans, um, a very uh, loud environment. Um, I want to go to uh, some upcoming games. A game that really interested me is going to be this uh, the Jacksonville State at South Carolina, uh, the Battle of the Gamecocks. Jacksonville State has been. I mean, what a surprise! What a season they're having. Um, they go into the new conference and they are just winning games, winning games. And then South Carolina's kind of had, uh, you know, we thought Spencer Rattler was going to have a great season, and they've kind of struggled a little bit. We, I feel like they're they're the standards we thought they were going to be playing to, they haven't quite lived up to. Does Jacksonville State have a chance to go in there and, and beat an SEC team? That's a very dangerous game for South Carolina right now. I, I agree with you. Jacksonville State has, has uh, really had a heck of a year. A lot of teams make that move up to the next division and struggle with it. And for some reason, they just they have not had a bit of trouble at all. And I, I'm also reminded James Madison who's doing the mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that neither one of them can be allowed to go to a bowl game or, or the championship. championship. Yep. Yeah, both of them would have a shot. But uh, they've always had a successful program, and winning breeds winning, and winning attracts winners. And that program has always been a winner. Uh, the problem with South Carolina is they weren't very deep coming into the season, and they have just had an absolute horror show with injuries. And I know that's a part of football. Mm-hmm. Not trying to make excuses for them, but they they do not. They they have not started the same five offensive linemen in any two games this year, and they've had some injuries back in the secondary, which are counting on being one of their strengths. And now it's it's a little bit of a liability. They just haven't been able to sustain enough. Uh, to all the injuries, they haven't been able to sustain enough uh, good plays during during a game with a good SEC opponent. It's just always becomes a fourth quarter or a second half game, and they can't compete with the lack of depth. So Rattlers had a very good year for, for the obstacles he's had to overcome. Mm-hmm. They don't have a legit SEC running back in the backfield, and they do not have a good offensive line. As I told you, they've been just riddled with injuries. They lost one of the best receivers for like three weeks. Kid was all SEC. And then they lost the other one, uh, uh, even for even longer length of time. Uh, so they, 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 it's just been one of those years where anything could go wrong seems it's gone wrong. But they better be ready to play. They they cannot play a bad football game and beat Jacksonville State. I I think Shane Beamer is is very much capable of of taking the South Carolina team in the right direction and. Uh, if, if I'm not wrong, Coach, I know Spencer Rattler is a senior, but does he still technically have an, a year of eligibility left as well? Could you see him returning? He does. I, I would not think he would return. Uh, I think he's put enough on film. Uh, I mean, sometimes, Justin, if you watch it, he's almost a one-man show out yeah. there. And in, in spite of all the, the sacks, he's probably been hit more than any SEC quarterback in the league this year. And he continues to take care of the football for him. He's had minimal turnovers. And when he had it, he's had to, you know, force a ball to try to make a play to help his team win a game. So, I, you know, I wouldn't see him coming back. Yes, he does have another year. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I, I think you're right. He's definitely played enough to, to work, like you said, to have uh, to have film. Um, now I want to I dive into this Missouri-Georgia game. 
that we kind of touched on just a little bit earlier. There's still no Bowers, and we know Georgia gets out to uh, a slow start. But like you brought up, uh, Coach, Brady Cook at quarterback for Missouri is, I don't think anybody's talking about him yet. He's had arguably one of the best seasons uh, and is one of the best quarterbacks, I think probably right behind Jaden Daniels in the SEC this year. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on yeah. Brady Cook? Yeah, he's he's sitting right there. I mean, he and Beck are right behind. In certain, depending on how you want to measure, he's mm-hmm. back in Georgia, sitting right there behind Daniels. And uh, you know, it's kind of quiet because nobody expected him to have a great year, so nobody was keeping an eye on him. But I think the win over Kansas State way back on a big, a long field goal just kind of it put the whole uh, atmosphere to the point where they said we can win big games, and uh, it was a huge win for him. And then they. Just, Ever since then, they they played very well, uh, and they got they got beat by LSU. We'll talk a bit about that later. But LSU beat them on the road, one of the best wins or only good road win that LSU has had, uh, and they didn't beat them bad. Yeah, but, and, and, uh, and, they're and, dangerous team. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Right. In, a, in a game that Missouri was leading up until the fourth quarter, that offense just kind of took right. over in the end. Yeah, they played good defense. They haven't been you know dominant by any stretch. But they've made enough critical stops to certainly, you know, put their offense in position. And their offense has been as productive and as consistent uh, as any offense in the conference. And uh, on the other side, the Missouri defense, I I remember reading that a lot of the difference that they're able to make and kind of win and and put a stand against these teams is that they have some guys on the D line that they have uh, they have size, they have speed, and that in many cases that's what differences the SEC from these other conferences is that in the South you get you get these big guys that can play play D line play O line. Do you think that's been uh, also uh, contributed to to their success? Absolutely, that's that's a that's a perfect point. They have good speed and run well in the perimeter. Uh, they play physical, but their defensive front, if you'll remember now, they played the SEC championship mm-hmm. twice when they first got in the SEC back in, in some years ago. And much of it was was the defensive front and their defense. I remember we go, went over to Georgia, beat Georgia at Georgia kind of early in the year. But it was one of the seasons where they did get to play for the SEC championship. The year I was at Auburn uh, to win it. In 2013, we had to beat Missouri. And I'm telling you, some, many, many spots, they were more talented than we were. So I, I just think Eli's done a tremendous job. He's been, you know, steady hand and got through some tough years and had enough critical wins to kind of keep, keep the momentum rolling. But the recruiting now, I heard something on radio the other day. Uh, this is crazy to have to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just a big part of it now. But their NIL structure. They were yes. way ahead of the game and have a tremendous NIL structure for not being one of the richest schools like an A&M or a Texas or somewhere. So it's it's helping them. It's paying off, and they're getting some kids that they you know, wouldn't have gotten five years ago. No, I, I think you're right. And just the state of Missouri as a whole, I believe uh, the university there has, has worked with their state legislator and um, – I think they're they're paying high school kids now through this NIL thing, which is kind of absurd. But we, we're seeing states follow in the footsteps. Um, I think Georgia is uh, following that as well. They're they're going into into Georgia though. They're going to Sanford Stadium. What when when you're playing a team like that in an atmosphere, whether it's Brian Denny, Neyland, Death Valley, and LSU, how do you overcome that noise? I know I know for the offense, we talk about a, a silent snap or a count. 
to kind of not, you know, take that variable out is, is that something that is, I know even it, Nick Saban plays like a uh, crowd noise in practice. We'll see teams do that. Is that always a, a I guess, take the lead and at one of the, the highest thoughts for a coach when they're preparing for a, for a game like this? Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's something that many coaches have to be a new coach in the league, not to have experienced it and be ready for it. Uh, but being ready for it doesn't mean you handle it well. You have to have poised kids, maybe kids that have been out there in an environment like that before. The noise at practice, you say, I visited maybe three schools, practices since I got out of coaching. Mm-hmm. They all play loud music during practice. <laughs> crazy as a coach. But they keep noise going all the time. So it's just not a big deal with the kids once they get out on a noisy field. Personally, and I've never coached off this, but i watched many different ways of trying to handle the noise and even watch the pros sometimes struggle with it. But pros have to talk so much on the line of scrimmage. I mean, they're so intricate with pass protections and so forth. But the hand clap to me is the one that, that gives an offense a chance to come off the ball aggressively and, and not give away your snap count to the defense. And it's easy to bluff it and fake it and make the defense move out of their disguise or whatever. I don't understand all the other ways they try to handle it. Like the offensive guard looking back and when the yeah. quarterback gives him the ready signal, he taps the center on the side. I mean, I wouldn't want all that. If I'm, if I'm a center, I'm identifying protection. <laughs> My, uh, Mike linebackers for blocking teams and things. I, I just would, I don't know. I just, I'd rather be on a sound. And they say that the only sound you can hear is a hand clap. And I've seen Tim teams backed up near their end zone with student bodies sitting 15 yards from them and they can hear it. And I really don't know why everybody doesn't use it. I'm sure there's some reason, but I wish somebody would tell me what it is. <laughs> Overcomplicating it a little bit. <laughs> um, I guess. I don't know. It just seems to me they don't have the problems getting off on the, on the sound. And every other thing they try either takes too long up there and allows the defense to hide stuff, get time up blitzes and all this, or causes them to jump. And, and I, just, you know, I, don't, I don't know. There's got to be some reason they don't do it. Jumping into uh, to the game that everybody wants to know about, listening to, to Todd here, uh, Alabama versus LSU. We got LSU coming in, the best offense in college right now, arguably, uh, with one of the best quarterbacks. Um, I, I, I was speaking earlier. I think the key is going to be edge pressure and, and you know, containing Jaden Daniels because I think if he can get going with his legs, that's going to be the difference in the game. Uh, one coach, what do you think about that? And how does how do you t- get a defense to do that? It's one of the hardest things, especially when you're talking about a quarterback as versatile as Jaden Daniels. Well, I go all the way back to the very first game, and they they weren't real clean against uh, Florida State. And so you're mm-hmm. talking about a defense that runs well, plays good, aggressive, and so forth. You know, you bring up an important part. You've got to have edge pressure to affect him. Uh, you know, he's a top-rated quarterback in the nation right now in some, some uh, measurements, pass efficiency and uh, total yards and all that. Uh, but, you know, Alabama's, you know, one of the top-ranked scoring defenses. So it's going to be strength against strength, and I think that's going to be a big measure. You know, can Alabama's defense slow them down, or can LSU continue to put yards and points on the, on the great defense? We'll find out. But I think you flip over to the other side, because it's going to be Alabama's offense and LSU's defense. I mean, the LSU's defense has not been good this year and they've not been consistent. And I still see those Florida State receivers downfield catching deep balls 
And that's one thing Alabama knows how to do. Bill Rowe can throw a deep ball. And, uh, you know, so there's some, there's some things there when you get look over the other side. Alabama's weaknesses, if you will, and LSU's weaknesses are going to be matched up. Justin, the one thing that kind of concerns me is when you look over turnovers. Mm-hmm. But in spite of having a high-powered offense, LSU is, is number two in the conference in turnover margin, and they're number one in the conference in, in turnovers lost. And, and that's a big factor now. So I, I say the thing to watch is see if Alabama can turn the ball over. If they can force LSU to turn the ball over two or three times and they can be plus two in the turnover ratio, they'll win the ball game. And I think they'll win it convincingly. But if they don't, then I think it's going to be very difficult. As you've mentioned, the the LSU defense, and we talked about Ole Miss being able to score on anybody. I mean, Ole Miss had total seven hundred yards on on that LSU defense, and and they did um, a good portion of that running the ball as well. Is that going to be a factor in this game if we can get uh, Jace McClellan and, and these Alabama running backs going? Absolutely. I mean, more help you can give uh, Jason as far as taking the pressure off the passing game, the better off they are. I think one of the biggest things that Alabama has done and done better uh, as the season's progressed is he's gotten more dependable. He, you know, he is he is the fifth-ranked quarterback in the conference on pass efficient. But it's one thing, you know, to be pass efficient. Another thing, be able to be efficient enough time. In other words, their number of attempts in the passing game don't have to be 45 like some of them do. So I think you, you yeah, that, that's a huge point. They've got to have a good running game so that they don't have to make every critical play in the passing game. Uh, that will become a load that he might not can, can carry, especially against a good team. But I go back now. They, they've won, they've had three decent games played on the road. Some of LSU, they're one and two. They, did, they didn't play in Tiger Stadium when they lost to Florida State, and they didn't play in Tiger Stadium when they lost to Ole Miss. And they're not going to be playing in Tiger Stadium Saturday. So they beat Missouri on the road. That's the one road win that they've had, you know, against a good team. All their other wins are against teams who are struggling this year. And I think, you know, we'll find out if they can play in a hostile environment against a really good football team. I agree. Well, Coach, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight. Thanks so much uh, for coming on the show. I hope you have a great rest of the week and a a great weekend as we, uh, we got some football coming up. Absolutely. You too, Justin. Enjoy it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and hit our break really quick. We're uh, doing Gary Harris show here on Tide 100.9, West Alabama's only sports talk station, which can also be heard on 1230 AM WTBC. Lord, I'm craving some real Cajun food. It's 2011. Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sunny weather continues today with a fairly decent warm-up. The high for this afternoon around 61. Clear tonight, not as cold as last night, below 34. Tomorrow and Saturday, sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 67. The high Saturday, 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 41 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. This is Justin Jones. Quick comeback here before we get to the top of the hour. Um, great conversation there with Coach Ellis Johnson. Really, some really great stuff on the inside into college football as as well as the SEC as a whole. Uh, we're going to jump into the NFL, though. Coming back, we got a D Orlando led better, and we're going to look at the Falcons. We're going to look at their matchup with the Vikings coming up, as well as some other stuff uh, going around the league in the NFL. Um, lots of Alabama players to talk about as well. Stay tuned in here to the Gary Harris Show. You're listening to Tide 100.9, West Alabama's only sports talk station, also on 1230 AM WTBC. Hey, Jen. Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. The Texas Rangers are World Series champions for the first time in franchise history, beating the Diamondbacks in five games in the World Series, including 5 nothing in last night's Game 5. For manager Bruce Bochy, it's his fourth career World Series title as a skipper. For shortstop Corey Seager, it's his second MVP award in the World Series. I got to see him a lot, playing against him uh, or managing against him in the National League West. And you appreciate him even more when you get to see him on a daily basis, how good this man is. And the Rangers and Seager were really good. That was Bochy after the game. Texas went 11-0 on the road in the postseason. New York Post reports that the Mets will interview Craig Council for their managerial position today. While in the NFL, Titans and Steelers tonight, 8-15 Eastern, DeAndre Hopkins is expected to go for Tennessee despite a toe injury. The Bills signed veteran defensive lineman Linval Joseph. Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert back at practice today. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. This is Justin Jones covering for Gary today. We've had a great show so far. Really good conversation with with Coach Ellis Johnson earlier. Um, And then we're going to dive in with uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter here with the Falcons report. In just a second, I just want to mention first that Hour 2 of the Gary Harris Show is brought to you by Patterson Comer Law Firm. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. 
clients and prospective clients are treated with respect and care, our business is to take care of your needs. For more information, visit PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. Now we're going to jump out into the First and Main Condos hotline and talk to Orlando Ledbetter. We uh, really appreciate your time. Lots of news around the Falcons here with your your quarterback situation. We have Ty- Taylor Heineke is uh, is going to take over. Is uh, we saw Desmond Ritter kind of get sad at the the half point of the, the last week's game. Is is this your new quarterback there in Atlanta? Yeah, Justin, they're going to go with him just for one week is what we're being told. Uh, you know, they want to beat Minnesota, stop their slide, and uh, they believe Tyler Heineke, excuse me, Taylor Heineke, I've been messing that up all week, <laughs> that he's going he's gonna to be the guy to get the job done for him after scoring 20 points in the second half against the Titans. I know, I know looking back, y'all were un- unfortunately on the, on the wrong side of uh... – of the Will Levis coming out party, um, but it was a close game. It was 28-23. Uh, the Falcons were in it there till the end. What did you think the the difference was between a win and a loss in last week's game? Yeah, the Falcons turned the ball over, and, uh, uh, you know, Desmond Ritter, it was his 13th turnover of the season and uh, gave uh, Tennessee a short field to get him a lead, 14-3. And then they were able to bleed the clock with the running of Derrick Henry. And, um, you know, uh, once the Falcons started coming up to stop Derrick, they, uh, Levin started hitting them over the top with some big shots. So 60-yarder, 33-yarder, 47-yarder, <laughs> you know. So, so it was a real simple game plan last week for Tennessee. So looking ahead to the, to the Vikings here, which is another crazy situation as uh, Kirk Cousins is out for the season um, assumingly, unless he's on the Aaron Rodgers program, because everybody's talking about him him coming back now. But Torres Achilles, so Kirk Cousins is done. They they make a big splashy trade um, close to the deadline there to get Josh Dobbs from the Cardinals. Are so one are are we expecting to see Josh Dobbs at quarterback and fill in so quickly, or is it going to be Jalen Hale, uh, or is it Jaron Hale, Hale the the backup? Yeah, Jaron Hall. Oh, he got. Oh, yeah, he. Uh, they, they said he's going to start, and uh, they they hadn't gotten Josh yet in the building on Tuesday when I heard Coach speak. Uh, but you know they figure he's smart and they can get him ready to play if necessary. So uh, he he started um, eight games this year for the Cardinals already, so he's in shape and no issues there. It's just whether he can function uh, in the offense. Now, Jaron Hill is a. Uh, uh, Smaller, more mobile guy with the BYU. Uh, he was the uh, successor to Zach Wilson, who got drafted by the Bears, number two. So he, he's a um, you know it's a different type of uh, quarterback, not a drop back guy like Kirk Cousins was. So um, you know it'll be interesting to see how uh, Coach O'Connell can get this uh, team ready to play. They they're gonna run. They run the Rams offense. That's where it came from. Mm. Uh, so, but you know, he doesn't fit. Uh, he doesn't fit like a Matthew Stafford profile, though. So, it'll be interesting to see what type of game plan they put together for the mobile quarterback. It, it definitely didn't look too pretty um, when he got first put in there after the Kirk Cousins injury. Um, talking about offensive scheme, though, with Taylor Heineke filling in. 
is the is the the game plan changing very much or I feel like the Falcons would be just very focused on ball control and less turnovers is that kind of been the mentality for the offense are we expecting to see something almost totally different no I think a little bit different he um this past is in practice and I noticed this in training camp and OTAs he wasn't a check down Charlie type of guy (laughs) he's gonna push it push it up the field and uh, so I fully expect him to continue to do that. Um, you know, uh, uh, if they could block it up for him and get some time to push it down the field, we might even see some more Kyle Pitts here. Uh, you know, Van Jefferson, Scotty Miller, the guys that can get out and run a little bit. Uh, Drake London, I'm not expecting him to play this week with his groin injury. With the, but yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I'm just saying, yeah, he throws it down the field a little bit more than Ritter. We we definitely saw some of that with the uh, the commanders when he was in there, um, and he actually played very well for them. I, I'm trying to think, didn't he also – I think I'm confusing my quarterbacks here, but he did play very well for the commanders before uh, Sam Howell kind of, kind of took over that, that position. Um, looking around the, the NFC South, though, I think the Falcons are in pretty – Pretty good spot. I mean, technically leading the division right now. Um, not the strongest the division's been in past years. There's no there's no Tom Brady in Tampa. There's no Drew Brees for the Saints. Um, and there's no Cam Newton for the Panthers, which is kind of crazy to say is makes me feel old um, just because that's kind of what I grew, I grew up with. But And even looking at uh, the Falcons' schedule coming up, I mean, right after the Vikings, you're going against Josh Dobbs' former team, the Cardinals, with uh, assumingly Kyler Murray will be back at that quarterback position. Um, But other than conference games, the Jets, uh, the Colts, the Bears, um, and then, you know, you'll play the the Bucks, Panthers, Saints mixed in there. It looks pretty easy. I think there's definitely a pathway to the playoffs for the Falcons. Do you see that? Yeah, I do, Justin. Uh, I do see that pathway. Um, you know, they, uh, uh, the two games that I had them uh, winning here early were the Commanders. And, yeah, you were right. He was there the last three years, uh, took over for Ryan Fitzpatrick. One year, Carson Wentz the next. Uh, and the year before that, the first year was Alex Smith in the playoff game. So, yeah, that was correct. And um, But, yeah, the uh, Commanders and the Titans, I had them winning those two. But Minnesota was and the Jets were – games that I had them losing because of <laughs> Cousins and Aaron Rodgers, but both of those guys are gone now. So you can just flop those two out and still get the 10 wins, maybe 11, win the division, or definitely get into the wild card. And uh, then see, you know, then you got a foundation, you got a turnaround, you got a team that um, hasn't been in the playoffs in five years, now you're in the playoffs. So, yeah, you, you have a um, – a positive spin on this season if you can get 10 or 11 wins. From my point of view, I, I look at the Falcons. I, I feel the the amount of pieces that are on that team offensively, and of course it was a huge blow um, losing Grady Jarrett with that injury, um, which I was sad to see because he's been a great player for forever, it seems like, for that team. But you're talking Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier played great, and I think is still playing decently, just now sharing the snaps a little bit. Um, is this team just, it feels like one piece, like one piece away from being a really good contender. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think that piece might have been uh, uh, Justin Fields. <laughs> if he becomes available this year, I think they got to get him. 
Uh, they didn't like him coming out. They could have took him at four when they took Kyle Pitts, uh, but his ability to process uh, wasn't at the level they wanted it to be. So they went, you know, in another direction at quarterback. But I think, you know, we've seen him perform as a running quarterback, and you really don't need him dropping back, reading four and five routes. Uh, you know, he with the with the receivers they got. They should be able to, you know, somebody should be open on the one, two, quick read stuff. You got your RPOs. You study how Philadelphia has used Jalen Hurts, and you should be able to make it go with uh, with a more mobile quarterback like that. I'm seeing during up up to the trade deadline, the Falcons did make a move and get a, a D tackle from the Eagles. Are we going to be seeing him make an impact on that team? Yeah, I think he's going to start right away. Catavius Street. He played for uh, Coach Ryan Nielsen at New Orleans, and uh, they uh, were also cross, cross paths at NC State over in Riley. So he knows uh, how he wants to play it, uh, you know, and uh, uh, with Grady down, they need a veteran in there that could go in there and take some snaps and uh, hold down the court next to David Oyamata. Did you think there was any moves that – you maybe thought were going to happen uh, for the Falcons that maybe a position they would upgrade at that, that didn't really take place? Or do you think this team's kind of secure in what they're working with now for the rest of the season? No, they should have got Leonard Williams, but the second round <laughs> pick was probably a little too much. He went and he's 10 years in, so he went to Seattle, uh, but he would have been, a you know, a replacement for Grady Jarrett, but, uh, you know, you wouldn't have been giving him a long-term deal after this year, so... So that was pretty high for a one-year rental. And, uh, you know, Montez Sweat wanted to come here. He's from Stevenson High here, Stone Mountain area in Atlanta. Uh, but the Bears uh, gave a little bit more compensation, so uh, he went to Chicago. Uh, defensive end, he would have been uh, an upgrade at uh, both spots. Uh, and I, uh, you know, got a takeover for Calais Campbell, you know, who's just here on a one-year deal. As as a Seahawks fan, I'm I'm very glad y'all didn't go get Leonard <laughs> Leonard Williams because I I'm very happy that he's up there in Seattle right now. Um, over on the West Coast, though, the the big news um, in the NFL has been the the Raiders team that is kind of man they're they're cleaning house in that front office. Uh, the GM gone, the head coach gone, offensive coordinator gone, um, starting quarterback benched. Uh, from your point of view. Orlando, where what is going on over there? Is is Mark Davis going to ever be able to get this team up to the top standard that it used to be? No, nah, he's in over his head. Uh, he had a good thing going with Reggie McKenzie. Uh, fired him to uh, bring in John Gruden and Mike Mayock. Uh, he got kind of torpedoed by the league when Gruden's emails came out. Yeah. And uh, started over from scratch there. He had a pretty good fill-in and Richie Passaccia. And then uh, for some reason he goes out and gives Josh McDaniels another another shot when he, you know, pretty much failed at uh, you know anything outside of New England without Tom Brady. <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, they uh, they are a hot mess, and they'll get a chance to get it right. It's only thirty two people, thirty two jobs, so so they'll get a good candidate in there. It's just whether they're going to put the infrastructure in place to let them do their job and get it turned around. And and one last question for you, a uh, little unrelated to the NFL, but we got Alabama LSU this weekend. Uh, what do you what do you think is is going to happen in this game, and who do you have winning? Uh, 
I think Alabama is really hot right now. Uh, LSU is uh, they play, you know, they played some up and down ball this year, uh, but Alabama's playing with more of a purpose. I can see them getting all the way to the championship game, maybe even taking down Georgia, taking off that loss to Texas. I was over in Tuscaloosa for that, had a good time uh, with Cowboys beat writer Clarence Hill and uh, and so forth over there. So, um, uh, yeah, I've seen uh, the Alabama team up close. I know a lot about LSU. My little cousin, Robert Steeples, is uh, one of the defensive back coaches over okay. there. So uh, it's going to be uh, a good game, but I think Alabama – is uh you know coaches figured out how to play with this team and fix some of their issues and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see all that on display on Saturday. I, I like it. I like what I'm hearing there. Uh, thank you, Orlando. I appreciate your time so much for coming on and giving us your insight. Uh, let the people know where they can find your your articles and all your uh, your information at. Yeah, you can find me uh, at the Orlando AJC um, at the Orlando AJC on Twitter. Uh, good morning. I'm pulling through the gate here, Flowery Brand. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, that's a Twitter and our our, our website is ajc.com at the Orlando AJC on Twitter and our website is ajc.com. Thanks so much, Justin, for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Have an even better rest of the week. All right, you do the same. Yes, sir. Uh, that some great insight there into the Falcons, their quarterback situation, as well as around the league and. Uh, you know, he's telling me what I want to hear for this Alabama LSU game. He he said championship, which you know I'll take what I'll take what I can get. Uh, but we're gonna hit the break here. Uh, you're listening to Tide 100.9 West Alabama's only sports talk station, which can now be heard on 12:30 a.m. WTBC. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept, Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m., available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sunny weather continues today with a fairly decent warm-up. The high for this afternoon around 61. Clear tonight, not as cold as last night, below 34. Tomorrow and Saturday, sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 67. The high Saturday, 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best station in the state breaking down Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. This is Justin Jones filling in for uh, for Gary today. Great show so far. Great show so far. We had a great conversation there with uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution um, about the Falcons, about things going on in, in Vegas with the Raiders, as well as, you know, he was telling me what I wanted to hear. Uh, Alabama is going to play well against LSU. <laughs> That's all I can hope for because uh, when, as Kerry would say, and as Kerry, Kerry Clark, that is, all, quotes, I can't remember who he quotes it from, but when, when foot meets leather on Saturday, um, you know, that's all things are out. So, you know, we can say what we want now, but when the game starts, we're, we're in for one. Uh, we did have an app question, though. Uh, Noah, if you could read that off for us. 
for sure. Ronnie on the app sent us a message. He said, I have a question concerning Milrow. I feel like he does a good job throwing the ball from the pocket, but not so good on rollouts. Do you think this is why they don't roll him out very much? Thanks. And that was from Ronnie, you said? Um, that's a great question. I think it's one I've asked myself as well, Ronnie. Um, I don't know if it's that because of his talent on throwing the ball outside of the pocket or on the run, because I don't, you know, you're right. We don't really call those plays. I don't think he's really gotten even a chance to do that maybe once or twice. Partly, I think it's because as much as we've said that Milrow needs to utilize his legs a little bit more, defenses in the SEC are, are taking note. They know his speed, his tape. You know, if he gets out and he gets loose, man, it might be going for six every time with just how fast and elusive he is. So they're very respectful of containing him. And in the plays that I have seen where we've gone for like a play action boot or a rollout, defensive end of ends have played that very, very well. And it doesn't help that our left tackle, Caden Proctor, has struggled because that's a that's a big part of whether or not the quarterback can roll out to that side. If, if the left tackle or even the right tackle are getting pushed back immediately five yards into the backfield, that rollout is, isn't really an option. Uh, it's not, a, it's not a, a chance that he can go to because he'll end up running into his own guy. Um, so he's kind of stuck there in the pocket. I think that's what's happened a lot of the cases. And, and, I, and I think just Tommy Reese in general doesn't really like calling those plays. I think he's done well from the pocket. I would like to see more rollout, but like I just mentioned, the, the issue is is not so much whether or not he can throw it well. It's the fact that the offensive line hasn't been able to block for him long enough to do that. But but you're also, I do want to be granted, I do want to say that he has struggled, Jalen Milrow, with the, the intermediate passes, those 10 to 15-yard throws, more so than the deep ball. And that does matter because typically on those rollouts, that's how long your passes are going to be, typically 20 10, 15 yards um, to a moving receiver while you're running. It's definitely more difficult of a throw than just standing in the pocket and, and throwing it deep. Uh, I appreciate your question, and I encourage all other listeners as well to um, to reach out into the app for any of our shows. Uh, I want to ask a, a message to Martin Houston in the morning, to Wimp and Barry, if you want to talk to Gary Harris when he's in, or to me uh, <laughs> today, right now, uh, or the Miller's Edge, or even uh, Ryan Fowler, uh, two to six. All of our all of our messages go to the same place, so you message us, and we'll be sure to get it to our our hosts, and we can ask those questions. We had another another message yeah. there, Noah. Yes, I want to plug also. In addition, you can send us a chat message, and we can see it and read it on the air and everything. But also. We have an option on the app. You can click Talk to Us Now. You open up the app, and you can record an audio message to send to us. I've got one here from a listener for you, Justin. It's, it's a bit of a different question, but it's, it's a personal question for you. So let me play that for you. Um, you know, I think it's great. I was, was Nick Saban our, our listener? No, no, sorry. <laughs> here we go, here we go. And I mean, Justin, you've really been an icon when it comes to looks from your hair to just making fashion statements. Oh, How has my. your idea of fashion evolved over the time from since you were a kid to now being a grown man? Is is that a Kiki Palmer? Yes. Yeah. She, she had a question. What a great is. listener. Thanks so much for listening in. Uh, my and fashion, I mean, Justin, you've really been. You know, my fashion of. Uh, of slides and shorts is the you know that's my go-to even in the cold weather i'm wearing i'm wearing shorts right now um 
I really like to make a statement. I like to show people that I'm not afraid of the cold. And then I just, you know, I shiver and, and make up for it that way. Um, I really appreciate that, uh, Kiki. Thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She sent us a special app message. So if you want to be like Kiki Palmer, hit talk to us now. Send us an audio message. We'll play it on the air. <laughs> Definitely. If, if you want to ask your questions that way as well, um, we'll hear it also. And we can even put you on the air that way, like we just did with Kiki Palmer. Um, man, I, that, that's a good question, though, before about Jalen Milrow and the, and the rolling out. I think... I think we hopefully we'll see more of that, but also um, as Philip called in and said earlier, which if you, we have a little bit of time right now and even later in the show we will. So if you do want to call in, it's 205-342-9904 and we can take your calls, questions, opinions, all that. Philip earlier was talking about Kendrick Law and utilizing him in the offense. And I think the play action rollouts as well as utilizing Kendrick Law and sort of, um, as I saw on Twitter, which I wish I could tell you where I saw it, um, a Debo role. Debo Samuel for the 49ers is utilized at running back in, in screens in wide receiver um, jet plays, jet sweeps. That speed and size and elusiveness only helps the offense. And I think if you can create a combination of play action and rolling out and, and boots as well as Kendrick law from the receiver position and, I feel like we've yet to see Tommy Reese get super creative in his play calling. It's been very stale, but I think that's also Nick Saban kind of holding him in a little bit. But if we come out on Saturday and Kendrick Law is able to to be a factor as well as Jalen Milrow, the both, that's you know that's what we've been missing. We've been missing a th- three wide receivers. Long gone are the days of Jalen Waddle. Devonta Smith, uh, Jerry Judy, like that—that th- that might never happen again in Alabama history as long as I'm alive. Having that depth at receiver. So now that we have Jermaine Burton's had a standout game, Isaiah Bonds had a standout game. Is it Kendrick Law's time to come in and say, "Hey, I'm this third guy, but I'm also the most dangerous guy because I can be used in so many different ways." Um, Something to ponder, something to ponder. We're, we're going to talk about that some with uh, Jeff Spiegel coming up from ABC 3340. Very good friend of the show. And uh, we'll, we'll get right to Jeff when, when we get back. You're listening to Tide 100.9, West Alabama's only sports talk station, which can now be heard on 1230 AM WTBC. An icon when it comes to look. An icon when it comes to look. Patterson Co- Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. into the Gary Harris Show. This is Justin Jones filling in for Gary today. Now we're going to jump out to the First and Main Condos hotline and, and talk to our good friend Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. Jeff, how are you doing this morning? Good, Justin. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm loving this cold weather. This is what I've been waiting for. Are you, <laughs> do you like the cold weather? I'm not a big fan of the cold weather. Uh, I mean, it's... Um, I like the I, I like the fact, you know, it kind of cleans out the air a little bit, you oh, know, yeah. and it's a little easier to breathe and all that <laughs> stuff. 
but uh, but I don't like shivering. That's not one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> but uh, but you know what? If you if you cover up, and I've got plenty of sweatshirts. I got sweatshirts galore and hoodies, and I got more hoodies than Bill Belichick. I think he, <laughs> I think he only I think he only has one. But uh, but yeah, I'm okay. I've got enough clothes, so I'm good. Yeah, I you can. It's that kind of weather where you can break out. You have a whole new wardrobe unlocked with your sweatshirts, the long sleeves. I I have a a, a hockey jersey that I've been wanting to wear. I've worn it maybe twice, but I you can't you can't wear a long sleeve hockey jersey in the summer down here. You'll, you'll melt. Uh, so be able to break that out. There is yeah. Uh, there's so many stories we can dive into, but uh, before we jump into the, the big one, clearly being Alabama versus LSU this weekend, I think there's some smaller games that I'm I'm very smaller. I wouldn't say smaller, but not as uh, primetime games that I think are going to be very interesting as well. And the first being Jacksonville State um, versus South Carolina. I think Jacksonville State has been incredible this year, and it's a shame that they, they don't qualify for a bowl or, or the, the championship for their new conference. And South Carolina's kind of been uh, – they've been falling off a little bit from what we thought their expectations were going to be. Do you, do you think Jacksonville State can, can get an upset – Oh, I think there's a there's a very good possibility they could get an upset. Um, you know, JSU has kind of gone into this uh, you know this FBS mode with you know with no fear, uh, you know just you know letting it all hang out, and, you know peddling the metal and all that stuff, whatever cliche you want to come up with. But you know they've come up with some uh, you know with some really big wins, you know in their league. Now, true. Now we. We've fallen into this trap before where we felt like, well, gosh, they should be able to compete with, you know, with a lower level team in the SEC. And, and then, you know, they wind up getting, you know, blown out or whatever because the SEC is a superior league. But South Carolina has had some issues this year and they have, they have not lived up to the expectations and, and all that. And, and, uh, and JSU's, JSU's cooking right now. I mean, the defense is playing really well. They've got really good defensive players. They've got a quarterback who's, you know, taking a lot better care of the football now. Zion Webb is is, is just an, an elusive runner and has also been able to, you know, throw the football enough just to kind of keep people honest. And uh, and they're, you know, look, they're a complete football team. So, you know, South Carolina, you know, better bring it. Uh, because JSU could come in there and and, and get an upset, and it's and it's enlightening to me that the opening line is only thirteen. I don't know what it is now. Is it still thirteen? Uh, let me find out for you. I, that's pretty incredible. You know, I, I did all my research there, and then I didn't. I think that's the one thing I didn't write down. <laughs> was yeah, the, it was thirteen as of Sunday? But yeah, I think JSU's got a good shot. I think um, so. Uh, just down the street from Jacksonville State, uh, UAB in Birmingham, they're playing FAU, the f- the former team of, of Lane Kiffin. They've had a rough season as well with new head coach uh, Trent Dilford. Is is this really trusting the process? Do you think I th- I like Trent Dilford as a head coach? Obviously, their record doesn't really speak for him or anything. But is this is this tr- like the the 76ers like to say trusting the process and, and letting it build? I know NIL is a, is a big de- deal, and Trent Dilfer has talked about that. Do you do you think he can go in and and really get this program motivated? He's just got to work through these growing pains first. Well, I think so. Anytime you have a first year coach come in, there's going to be a you know the the transition period is going to be messy. 
I mean, in, in 2007, you know, Nick Saban's first season was not, you know, a work of art. You know, I mean, there's just some things that, uh, you know, the new coaches come in and, and look, that first coaching staff is probably not going to be the coaching staff you go into year two with. You know, Trent's probably going to have to make some changes, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because those coaches have uh, have underachieved. I mean, that defense is underachieved, and the defensive coaches, you know, are probably going to have to pay the price for that. So there will be some turnover, you know, with his coaching staff. But the one thing that uh, Trent brought up on Monday at his press conference was, you know, the big issue with us is that we have, you know, a couple of guys messed up, you know, every game. You know, there, 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 there are too many situations where, you know, you got nine guys doing the right thing and two guys doing the wrong thing. And, uh, all 11, all 11 have to be doing the right thing. That's or a football play just doesn't work. And they've had a lot of those. They've had some turnovers. They've had some missed assignments on defense, you know, and it's been, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been kind of a mess to watch at times, but. You know, they had one game where they were kind of clicking on all cylinders, and that was South Florida when they beat a, you know, really good USF team. And uh, but otherwise, you know, it's been it's been kind of tough to watch. So it's homecoming. They've got their quarterback back. He was in concussion protocol for the Memphis game. Jacob Zeno, who's had a you know really solid year. So I really feel like they've uh, they feel like they've got a good shot to get back on the winning track. Yeah, I, I I agree with you, and and as we know, USF can apparently compete with with Alabama from what we've seen. So um, that definitely was a good one. I think that's like like you said, uh, it's a glimpse of what this team is capable of, and there's just some pieces they they have to get together. I want to jump uh, uh, over to uh, a larger program, I guess, with with Clemson. Dabo Swinney was kind of. Um, I, I don't want to say in the news because it wasn't just in the news. It was everywhere. Um, his comments from a caller on his coach's show, uh, Tyler from Spartanburg, um, kind of, man, he, he lashed out, let people know what he was thinking. This kind of seemed like a combination, but also the questions and comments, I thought were, some of them were, were pretty, uh, I think, necessary or, or um intriguing because it does make sense it's coach you're not adapting to the nil um we're not winning games and it doesn't seem like he's really going to change anything uh, what, what was your take on on those comments well certainly tyler from spartanburg has become very famous yeah. you know in the last <laughs> few days uh I, I don't i don't know what kind of nil deal he's got going on <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean uh l- listen Dabo is standing on his record and and he's got a great record i mean you know they, they were a mess, you know, before he became head coach. There weren't many Clemson fans that wanted him to be the head coach, but he's proved himself to be a very good head coach. Now, he had a solid core group of assistants that he kept around for a long time. Uh, Tony, Elliott, Tony Elliott was a great play caller. Brent Venables was a great defensive coordinator. You know, those guys moved on to head coaching jobs, but you know, uh, Monday night, Dabo's still on his record, and, he, and he's and he's right. Twelve straight ten win seasons. You know that's that's a phenomenal record. Two national championships in seven years. I mean, terrific. But you know what Dabo has fallen into is just you know as you mentioned, kind of not really willing to adapt. One of the reasons Nick Saban has had so much staying power is that he's been able to adapt to changes in the game. You know, he's doing it right now with, 
you know, with the NIL and with the transfer portal and, and all of that. And Dabo's been kind of slow to do that. And it's starting to catch up with him a little bit. I don't know if his, uh, if it's in his makeup, you know, to, to change, you know, the way he does things. Uh, if he doesn't, then, you know, he may get the same results that he did this year. But, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I like the guy. I, I will love him, actually. And I hope, you know, he can bring it back to where it used to be. But, um, you know, he's got to check the way he's doing things. And, and he may need to change the way he's doing some things. Speaking of head coaches, a head coach that is seem, seemingly constantly under fire, but more so now, um, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. This story just keeps getting deeper and deeper. Uh, the other day we heard from Central Michigan head coach Jim McElwain where this uh, sign-stealing guy, as the coach put it, uh, was on their sideline with uh, what looked to be camera glasses. I I, I kind of forgot those were even a thing, but, you know, you see the light there on the side, and he's recording, I guess Michigan State is who they were playing. Is, uh, is, we know the NCAA works slow. Is this going to affect the college football playoff, you think, if Michigan is indeed in that top four? I don't know if they can uh, if they can wrap this up quickly enough to you know to hold that off, but 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 the main thing is is that uh, I mean I mean Jim Harbaugh is gone. I mean unless they win the national championship, you know uh, he's gone because this this has just been an embarrassment. I mean he started out the first four games and you know he had to have a rotation of assistant coaches because he got in trouble and and now the side stealing thing and w- and with every new revelation it's just. It's just, you know, it's like the Three Stooges are running the operation there. I'm not sure who's in charge, you know, Mo, Larry, or Curly, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's laughable. And the Michigan program is just, it's too proud. There's too much tradition, you know, for a Michigan man to bring them through an embarrassing chapter. I mean, like he's brought them and, and they're going to cut ties with him. You know, and I don't know where he's going to wind up, but uh, this has just been a horrible year. Great year on the field, mm-hmm. but a horrible year in terms of off-the-field stuff for Michigan. And the only thing that can save him would be winning the national title. Well, we, we know there's a team in Vegas that has an opening at several positions uh, <laughs> right now. Um, let's jump into the big game this weekend, Alabama versus LSU. This is going to be a, a battle of offense and defense, particularly LSU's offense and Alabama's defense with the, I, I say, Heisman finalist, Jaden Daniels, um, potential Heisman winner, arguably, and a very good Alabama defense that is seemingly, or they're seeming to, to mesh now. We're, we're actually seeing some very good play from from both sides of the ball for Alabama. What is more a factor, do you think? Do you think? Well, yeah. Yeah, I sorry, Jaden Daniels versus that defense. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. That's the matchup. And I, and I think Alabama's playing at a national championship level. Uh, I thought that for, for several weeks now. Uh, now, Jaden Daniels, you know, uh, you know, lit him up last year in Baton Rouge. I know that was in Tiger Stadium and all that. But I, as good as Alabama's defense is, I don't know if they can completely stop LSU and kind of hold them to a certain amount of points. I, to me, this has got all the makings of a shootout. And and I think, you know, I think Jalen Milrow can keep up. I mean, I think LSU's got some injuries they're dealing with, especially on the back end. One thing that Alabama cannot afford to do 
is get off to a slow start like it did against Tennessee. If they fall behind by double digits to this offense, then it's it's not going to be a pretty ending, I don't think. But if, if they can put a 60-minute game together, which they've had issues doing, and play four solid quarters of offensive and defensive football, I mean, Alabama is a good enough team, you know, where, where they can handle this team. But if they get off to a slow start, that's going to be deadly for Alabama. They, they can't fall behind by double digits at halftime like they did a couple of weeks ago. We've had some listeners ask questions about um, the usage of Kendrick Law and, and why we weren't seeing more of him and if we will see more of him. Um, and I think we've heard recently as well in practice that he's, he has been taking up a, a larger role with this offense. Are we going to see that this weekend? Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, with Nick Saban, it's all about, you know, what are you doing in practice? You know, I mean, he, he rewards practice players. You know, he doesn't reward guys who, who on Saturday when the lights come on, you know, that's when they decide to play. You know, he rewards guys who, who are putting forth the effort in practice. And so, I mean, if he's getting it done in practice, he's going to get targets. You know, if he's not, he won't. And uh, so I think you're going to see Jermaine Burton be a huge factor. He's got to be a huge factor, you know, in in every game. Uh, You know, Bond has, you know, stepped up for him, you know, considerably. And then you're going to see them run the football, too. I mean, you saw it in the second half, the first play of the second half where McClellan broke off a 29-yard run. And then more quarterback runs. You're going to see a lot of that, too. And, uh, you know, the the weakest link – uh, in, in this entire football game is the LSU defense. Mm-hmm. Can Jalen Milrow exploit that to the full extent? That's also going to be a key to this game, too. For uh, On that LSU defense, I think the highlight clearly is the, the front, the defensive line. We know Harold Perkins and Makai Wingo, although we've recently learned that Wingo is going to miss considerable time and won't be in for the Alabama game. Is that going to make a, a, a huge difference? And then partnering off of that, we saw Ole Miss do over 700 yards on this defense. And we've been talking about the running game like you just were the, in the defensive backs. But how important will the, um, sorry, the passing game and the defensive backs, how important will the run game be with Jace McClellan and Roy Dell and, and Justice Haynes and kind of assisting this offense and opening up those deep passes? Sure. I mean, I think it's going to be critical. I think, uh, you know, if, uh, if, if Alabama can't run the football and then LSU can get some kind of a pass rush, we, we know how, you know, the offensive line has had some issues protecting the passer. Now, they, tend to, they kind of turn the corner on that, you know, in the second half, um, you know, giving up only one sack as compared to three in the first half. But, um, you know, we'll see, if, we'll see if they can do that again, you know, in this game. Yeah, I think running the ball is going to be is going to be critical, you know, not only in this game, but, but from this point forward, you know, if for their hopes of, you know, winning an SEC championship and competing for a national title, you know, McClellan and Williams, those guys are going to have to get out and run block, you know, for those guys and, and do what they did in the second half. And as I mentioned, you know, I, I love the quarterback runs. I mean, I think this got brought up on this show or on another show, you know, are we going to see Milroe? do more quarterback runs and we saw that in the second half that was part of the adjustments i think that uh, tommy reese made in the uh, in the second half and i think uh, we're going to see more of that saturday uh, coach again in his uh press conference yesterday was very uh 
vocal about the impact of the fans. This this stadium, as being in the stadium in Bryant Denny for Tennessee was, I think, one of the best environments I've ever been in in Bryant Denny, uh, comparable to the 2018-2019 LSU game with Joe Burrow came into town. Are, man, how how do you expect LSU to deal with that noise? Because I think it's going to be another uh, rowdy environment from the Alabama fans. Yeah, it will be because you know you've uh, you know, you got a Heisman Trophy candidate coming in. As you mentioned, I mean, I think this guy's a legit you know finalist. I mean, to me, the two most consistent quarterbacks all year have been Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels. Uh, those two guys have played consistently great, you know, every single week. And so, yeah, and, and look, uh, while the players, you know, they take this game personal, and, and it was mentioned, you know, several times this week, well, the fans take it personal too, you know, because this is the second game on the revenge tour, you know, and now, you know, they want to make Brian Denny Stadium as intimidating as atmosphere as Tiger Stadium is. Now, that's a tall task because Tiger Stadium, you know, has always been to me, you know, the number one home field atmosphere. But, uh, but yeah, the fans brought it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they're going to need to bring it again Saturday because, you know, uh, Jaden Daniels, he's going to make some plays. Uh, but there are going to be some critical moments where they've got the ball, you know, down there at their own 10 or their own 15, and, and they're going to be right there in front of the fans. And they're going to have to bring it like they did two weeks ago and shake up that LSU offense like they did Tennessee's in the second half, uh, you know, on the third Saturday in October. One last question for you, uh, Jeff, and we really appreciate your time coming on the show, but uh, former basketball coach from Indiana, Bob Knight, passed away, um, I believe, late last night. Uh, I'm not too familiar because I'm I'm a little too young uh, to remember him, but since you've been in sports a lot longer than I have, and that's no disrespect to you. I don't mean to make it sound yeah. like that. But um, what what stories can you remember from from Bob Knight and his time at Indiana? And I know uh, Coach Wim Sanderson has had many stories as they were friends. But uh, what can you remember? Well, sure. And, and there's going to be a lot. Uh, you know, when people show video of Coach Knight, they're going to show, you know, his outrageous moments. They're going to show him throwing the chair in 1985 in the Purdue game. You're going to see some video of him, that grainy video of him choking Neil Reed during a practice and all that. But the fact of the matter is, this guy was maybe the greatest basketball coach who ever lived. I mean, 902 wins at Army at Indiana and at Texas Tech, three national titles at Indiana. He coached an undefeated basketball team in 1976. Uh, I mean, one of the greatest basketball teams ever assembled. No one's been able to do that since. Now, it, it, so his his record, you know, stands on its own. Uh, just a great fundamental teacher of the game. Did it his way in his loud, boisterous manner. Uh, very salty guy, but very demanding of his players, holding them accountable on the floor. And um, he did it his way. He didn't apologize for it. Uh, there were a lot of things that um, people wanted him to apologize for. <laughs> But, uh, but he was, uh, Bobby Knight was, was Bobby Knight. And there were some, there were some, there was good Bobby, there was bad Bobby. But on the court, in the win and loss column, this guy was as good as it gets. That, and that's what I've seen. I, I've, 
since hearing this news, I've, I've kind of done my research. I've seen some of those grainy videos and some of the stories as well, but you talk about a coach that really did care for his players on and off the court, which, you know, we compare, that's one of the highlights of Nick Saban and why he's so good here at Alabama. Um, well, Jeff, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. I, I know I'm not, I'm no Gary Harris, but I, I try my, <laughs> try my best. Um, tell everybody where they can uh, find you at. I know ABC 3340, but uh, I, I believe on uh, the zone as well. Sure. Yes. Sunday nights at 1035 on ABC 3340. We do this show called the zone. And so it's really good. And I uh, appreciate people tuning it in and thanks for, uh, uh, giving me the opportunity to give a plug and hope you have a great week and a great weekend and, and enjoy the game. I know you'll be there. Yes, sir. I will. Thank you so much. You have a great weekend as well. Thanks, Jeff. All right. See you, man. That was uh, Jeff Spiegel. Great conversation there about all things. Uh, man, we, we touched on a lot of topics. Um, we're up against the clock, though, so we're going to hit our break. It's You're listening to Tide 100.9, West Alabama's only sports talk station, which is now on 1230 AM WTBC. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Friday. We'll go around the SEC, make our predictions. Also, we'll talk with Coach Sonny Smith in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll also look back at Dad's Blue Plate special as we get ready for the weekend. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Houston High. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and 3 special Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a meat and three vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Follow the Crimson Tide on their journey to another national championship. Touchdown, Alabama! On your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. This is Justin Jones. Man, this this two hours has flown by. Uh, typically, when I'm behind the glass and producing for Gary, time moves a little different than it does, I guess, when you're in the, the chair, the man in the chair here. But we've had a great show. I uh, want to thank um, all of our guests as well, Coach Ellis Johnson at 930, and we had Orlando, D. Orlando Ledbetter, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution at 10, and, of course, Jeff Spiegel, who we just finished talking to with ABC 3340 and on The Zone. Um Man, lots of information, which I feel like I learned a lot, which is great. And I hope the listeners and all of y'all did as well. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at JustinRJAK. And uh, that's going to do it. That's going to do it for the show. Gary will be back tomorrow with his Friday trivia giveaway. We got a nice Alabama LSU print, I believe. Uh, I can't wait for that. And if you guys want to talk, call into all of our shows. We got the Miller's Edge coming up next and Ryan Fowler after them. You're listening to Tide 100.9, West Alabama's only sports talk station, which can now be heard on 1230 AM WTBC. for listening to the Gary Harris show on your home for Alabama sports tied 100.9 and streaming on the tied 100.9 app